0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, choir. Jesus Christ. Thank you, musicians. Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus Christ. He's awesome. I mean, he's awesome. Religion is not going to change your life. Baptist is not going to change your life. It's Jesus Christ that's going to change your life. Having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, not just knowing about him. The Bible tells us the demons even know about him. They know all about him. They They know who he is. They know what power he's got, and yet they don't follow him. He's not the Lord of their life. He's not, you know, you might know about him. You might be in church many years. You know about him. You know the Bible more than I do. Some of you do. You know what? But it doesn't matter if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about a relationship with Christ and following Christ and, and making a difference. And he'll change your life, he'll break those chains in your life. I've seen it. I've experienced it and I've seen it in many people's lives over the years. That's why it's so important that we become as effective as we can as Christians, as Christ followers, and use the gifts that God has blessed us with to make a difference for Jesus Christ here in this community and around the world. Church, we got a lot of work to do. We're in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual fight. Man, I'm so thankful. I'm pastor of this church, 2019. I'm glad I'm a Christian in this day and age because we're in a post-Christian nation. We really are. You know, we got to think of ourselves as a Christians back in the book of Acts. You know, the church is just getting started. Everything seems to come against us. If you stand up for what God says, everybody shoots, a, shoots you down. So it's, it's a great time to be a Christian. You know, and the darker it gets, the stronger the light needs to become and the stronger our light shines. And so we need to be out there. And I'm honored to be here. And, and, and your know, people are hurting. They're lost. And we have a life-changing message, the message of Jesus Christ. We have a life-changing mission, and that's to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to people who desperately need him. And if you don't know that, man, your eyes are closed. You're sleeping. Open your eyes. Even before you leave here today, just look at people even here on our property. Some of them are hurting. You can look in their eyes and see something's not right going through a lot of pain and hurting, and so it's just an honor to be here, to to, to be able to minister to hurting and loss, and so we've been trying to tidy up, man, we got to get focused, we got to get focused on what God's called us to do, we can't be running all over the place, you know, and being distracted, we got to get focused, and and Paul wrote this letter to a church he started in the city of Corinth, and so we've been studying through this letter, the book of 1 Corinthians, and and, because he was telling them to tidy up, we need to tidy up. Get rid of the clutter. Become more focused. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Remember, Christianity was brand new when Paul wrote this letter. These men and women were coming out of a very ungodly society, had very ungodly habits and practices in their life. And so Paul was calling them out. He loved them enough to call them out. Said, you guys need to tidy up. Man, get rid of that clutter, focus. Remember, Jesus Christ is what it's all about. We're now in chapter 12. He begins a new subject, Paul does, dealing with spiritual gifts. And, and Paul's telling the Corinthian churches, I mean, the Christians there in that church, that, that you're part of the body of Christ. Man, we're one, we're unified. And he's telling them that there's many parts to that body. We're unified in our faith and trust in Christ. We're one body, and yet we're very diversified. There's a lot of diversity in the body of Christ. Every part is important. Everyone matters. Everyone is needed. Everyone has a part to play. That's what I hope you hear, not just from your ears, but with your hearts. Everybody matters. Everybody is needed. Everybody's got the, a part to play in this church, in any church you go to. When, when, you know, when everybody plays their part, we become more efficient, we become very effective. When everybody plays their part, there's beautiful harmony. When people don't play their part, though, it's not very pleasant. There's not a whole lot of harmony harsh tones of conflict and and division. And Paul had much of that in the church. We have that in the church in America today. And so Paul addresses the problems of, there's no harmony in the church. There's some holes missing. There's some missing notes there in the church. He deals with that here. And that's what we need to talk about. This book, 2,000 years old, but it's just like, (laughs) Man, it's so up, it's so relevant to what's going on today. A lot of things have changed and yet nothing has changed. And so we're going to read straight through the chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you're able, would you please stand with me out of reverence and honor for God's holy word. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them and all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good, right? For the common good, right there. We are to build up the body. God's given us gifts to each other to help each other, build each other up. For time's sake, I'm jumping now to verses 12 through 14. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we were all given to one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. See it? We're one part, we're one body, but many parts to it. Jump down to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. See it? We are to build up the body, we're one body and yet we have many different parts in it. All right, you may be seated. You may be seated. I think it's interesting, before Paul starts to talk about spiritual gifts, he, he addresses the subject of spirituality. That's so important because when I talk to people, oh, I, I'm not a Christian or this and that, but I'm, very, I'm a spiritualist. Or I say, hey, you know, when I talk to them about different things, do they believe in the Bible, you believe in Jesus? Well, I'm, I'm very spiritual. I'm a spiritual being. You know? so, and, and of course, I don't even know, have a clue what that means. And so I got to ask them questions what that means. And they don't even know what it means. And that's, that's the problem. And we see that here. Paul addresses that in verse 1. He says, I don't want you Christians to be ignorant when it comes to the subject of spirituality. And he says, about spiritual gifts, I don't want you guys to be ignorant about some of this stuff. And Paul goes on to remind them in verse 2 that these new believers in Corinth, you, you know, I know you say you're spiritual now, but remember, you thought you were spiritual back then and you were being led by demon spirits. Not too long ago, you were pagans. You were not believers in Jesus Christ and you thought you were spiritual and you were influenced. Verse two says, you were influenced and led astray to mute or dumb idols. You know, lifeless, speechless, dead idols. These weren't gods. They were just lifeless and speechless. They were nothing. They were mute. Paul reminds them and God uses Paul and his word to remind us that there's two kinds of spirituality. There's the false and there's the true. And we see in verse three, the dividing line between false spirituality and true. We see in verse three, the the dividing line between false prophets or false teachers and true teachers. And the dividing line is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Verse three says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And he's not talking about just actions. He's talking about your life. You just can't live it or say it because anybody can say words. He said, you just can't say Jesus and Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You know, and so ultimately, it doesn't matter how spiritually we appear to ourselves or to other people. It doesn't matter whether seeing miraculous evidence of power can be displayed. It doesn't matter. What matters is Jesus Christ is He worshipped, is He served as the Lord. That means leader, the authority of your life. And so right before he even gets into spiritual gifts, you know, he shares there's a couple of warnings I see here from these verses. First is this. It's possible to counterfeit the gifts of the spirit. That's important. You hear, you see somebody, you know, you can't explain. You go, oh, that must be of God. Not necessarily. In other words, just because somebody's a gifted speaker, just because somebody says, God told me this, just because somebody does something miraculous that you can't explain, does not mean that that they're being led by the spirit of God. Read the Bible, Acts chapter eight. You got Simon, the sorcerer. He was doing all kind of miraculous powers, but doing it through Satan, not God. Think of read Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus warns that there's gonna be many that come to him and they're gonna say, but Jesus, look at all the miracles we did. Look at all the miracles we performed. Even look at all the demons we cast out. And Jesus is gonna say, depart from me because I never knew you. So be careful. You know, it's possible to counterfeit the spirit of the gifts of the spirit. Uh, Satan's powerful too. And Satan can do some miraculous things too. I think another thing we need to realize is we got to recognize that there's always a temptation to seek the experience rather than seeking the Lord himself. You know, a lot of people are running for that emotion. They want to see something. They're running for, they got to feel something before they feel like God is in it. Just because you feel it doesn't mean God is in it. Be careful about that. Simon, the sorcerer in the book of Acts, again, he saw these uh, miracles being performed by the apostles and he wanted what they had. And he asked them, can I buy that power? See, he, he didn't, he didn't want to know who was giving it to him. He wanted to buy that because he wanted it. He was seeking the experience more than he was God himself. And I think we got to be careful about that too, church. Sometimes you, you look, you look, you're searching for the experience instead of having that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul warned the Corinthians that the test that we need to apply to any teacher or anything that any great miraculous thing we see is this, how do they view Jesus? It always boils down to Jesus. You know, it's about Jesus. How do they view Jesus? Do they dismiss him? When you hear these great teachers, you see these great powers or you have these great feelings, whatever, do they dismiss Jesus Christ or do they embrace him? Do they see him merely as just being a good man, a prophet? Or do they they surrender before him as the Lord of their life? When they say Jesus Christ is Lord, do they mean it? Or are they just merely saying the words, mouthing the words? Basically, Paul is saying that if you're wrong about Jesus Christ, you're just flat out wrong about everything. If you're wrong about Jesus Christ, you're a false teacher. What you're doing, even the power and the evidence and good stuff you're doing is not from God, it's from Satan. If you get it wrong about Jesus Christ. That's how he starts this off. Now with this misunderstanding now with this understanding in mind, Paul now starts to teach them about the proper place of spiritual gifts. Here's the definition I put. A spiritual gift is a free, undeserved ability given to us. We don't earn it. God gives it to us by the Holy Spirit for use in building up God's kingdom. All right. It's a gift that's free, undeserved. That God's given us some supernatural ability, given us by God, the spirit of God for use and building up God's kingdom. That's the definition. God has given each of us a role to play in his kingdom. And he equips us with the resources we need to fulfill that role. Our, our spiritual gifts sometimes involve the things that we're naturally good at. However, spiritual gifts are not the same thing as natural abilities. A spiritual gift is a work of the spirit of God that enables us to do his work in a way we could not before, that we couldn't do it on our own. And so I want us to look at several important lessons about spiritual gifts here from our text. And, and the first main point is this, we are to build up the body, right? That's the first caption, we are to build up the body. And, and, and we see that as the first couple of verses, we see it in verse seven, you know, even in verse four, we see we aren't meant to be good at the same things. We're not meant to be good at the same things. Verse four, there's different gifts. There's different kinds of service. There's different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. And then Paul gives us a list, but that list he gives us about spiritual gifts. That's not exhausted. That's just a list. There's other lists in the Bible about spiritual gifts. Paul was just listing some of the ways that God's spirit might be displayed in a person's life. I believe if Paul was to make a list today in the modern church today, there'd be things, of course, other things added to that. IT, you know what I mean? All kinds of things. Sound, worship, you know what I mean? It's lead worship leadership, all kinds of things would be added today. Paul wanted them to know that no one person was meant to have all the gifts. God is not looking for a celebrity Christian. God has designed us to need each other and to work together as the body of faith. See the point Paul's making is that we all have many different we all have many different jobs in ministries. We serve in very unique ways, and so here's the first implication I see. You know we're all build up the we're to build up the body, and the first implication is this: God designed us to be participants, not spectators. He designed us to be participants, not spectators. We see that in verse seven. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good for the common good to build each other out. And we all have a gift. God has given every believer now, it's every believer, not every person, but every believer in Jesus Christ, a way for them to serve him. And God wants us to be participants, the man to be active, to use those gifts rather than spectators. He wants us to walk with him and serve him rather than sitting back and watching and cheering others on and criticizing others. I need to tell some of you today Please do not put a do not disturb sign over your heart. I, I get it, I've been in church my entire life. I went, my, I was, when I, before I came out of the womb, I was in church. I've been in church my entire life. I've been hurt by church. I've had people hurt me, you know. Uh, I've seen people get hurt by church. All that kind of stuff happens and it's very easy. If we're not careful, the man harden our heart. You, you try certain things, I've tried certain things and they just completely fail. You know, God, I thought you were leading me to do this and I went that direction or did that and it was a mess. And, and, and so I understand that kind of stuff that happen. And because of that, some of you have put, do not disturb. You have to shut your heart down and you're not even listening to what God wants to do in your life. I, I know some of you, because of your situation in life, you can't do some of the things you used to do, but God's not done with you. I mean, God, I, I talked to some seniors, shut-ins, Man, they got such a prayer ministry. They're doing Bible study in their nursing homes. I mean, there's so many things you can do. In the body of Christ, everybody's got a role to play. In the church, God desires that we all serve him in the ways that he has equipped us to serve. You are significant, and you are unique, and God has a particular job that he wants you to do. We see that God meant for the gifts to build up the body. They're given for the common good of the church, of the believers, Spiritual gifts are not designed to expand, to advance our personal agendas. Uh, These gifts are supposed to enrich and build up the church. And when I say church, I mean the Christians, the body of Christ. God has given us abilities so that we can reach out to our community. So we can reach out to the world, to encourage one another, to support one another. God does not give us gifts for our own egos. In fact, if the issues of spiritual gifts is, causing, is dividing a church or causing a stir in a the church, you know, there's arguments going on, something's not right. Something's wrong, because those spiritual gifts are to build up each other, encourage each other. Either people are uninformed or selfish or just misusing their gift. Gifts are not an indicator of our spiritual significance. We see that in verse 11. You know, he says, all these are the work of the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. We don't get to choose the gifts we want. God gives them to us. And he assigns the role to us. Therefore, there should never be a sense of superiority among those who, uh, among those who have gifts. Or, or there should never be somebody who feels like they're more important in their role. There is no pecking order in the church. The clergy, you know, the clergy, the, the past professional ministers, we are no more spiritual than those who are not paid. You know, you know if, if, if we're bragging about our role in the body of Christ, man, we're dead wrong, and that's very foolish. We all serve the Creator, and all glory should go to Him and our Lord Jesus Christ. The gifts, the role that we have is to lift up each other and point people to Jesus Christ. So we are to build up the body, and God's designed us to be a participant, not a spectator. So if you're not participating somehow, some way, that's why you lost your joy. That's why some of you have lost your passion. That's why some of you didn't even want to come to church today. You know, you have no reason. Some of you don't even want to get up when you wake up, you know, because you have no purpose. You have no purpose. You were designed to be a participant, not a spectator. Second main thought is we are one body. We see that here in this chapter. The body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we're all given to one spirit to drink. This is a great picture, we see it in verse 27 too. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. We are one body. This is a great picture of what a church should be. And Paul reminds us that when we profess our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and savior, and we're obedient to Jesus' commands to be baptized and it's faith in Jesus Christ that saves you, not baptism. But he commands us to be baptized once we become a believer. You know, symbolic of what he's done in our life, the death, burial, and resurrection, and how he's changed our life. Once you do that, you're part of the body of Christ. He says, once you do all that, you're not just joining a particular church. You're entering into the, the one body of Christ. Everybody who is trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, no matter who you are or where you've been, you're brought to life. You're saved. You have eternal life by the same Holy Spirit. We're now all part of the same body. We're interrelated. That's why, I don't know if you've noticed this, I notice this wherever I go, even here in church. When I, I meet people, when I, even this morning, I meet people from different states, all across the United States, different countries. Every Sunday, I meet somebody from a different country. But there's an immediate bond between Christians who you meet for the first time. When I go to, even as a teenager, when I went to camp in North Carolina, wherever I went, man, you meet other, there's an instant bond when you meet somebody who's a fellow Christian because we're family members. We're, that's why I say, welcome home. Man, we're family who are just getting acquainted. You know, I said, well, you can meet somebody you never met before. If they're a believer, man, you're family members who are just getting acquainted. Here's the implication of this. Some of you won't like this, but you cannot stay close to God without involvement in his church. You cannot be the Christian God wants you to be unless you're involved in a local church, his local church. You cannot even stay close to God without involvement in his local church. Now, I'm not talking about those who, are, who can't come because they're, they're in bed, they're sick, they're shut. I'm not talking about that. But if you're able and you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you're not part of a local New Testament church, you can't stay close to God. You're in trouble. You know, and the human body, when a cell or organism decides to do their own thing in the body, the body's in trouble. You know, cancer is caused by formerly healthy cells that become renegade cells. And and here's what I'm saying. A detached Christian from the local church is a Christian who is in trouble. You know who the wolves go after when they see a bunch of sheep? Not the herd, I mean, I don't know if you call them a herd, but you know, not, not the bunch of them. They go after that one sheep that got out there that's isolated. That's all by themselves. That's who they go after. That's who Satan goes after. That's who the wolf goes after. That's easy prey for Satan. The Christian who's not, who is detached from a church, you know, he's out there on his own or she's out there on her own for whatever reason. Man, that's not healthy. That's not healthy. You know, and Satan will come at you when you're alone and you're isolated. You're exactly where Satan wants you. Hebrews tells us, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. See, even back then, they started to give up going to church. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Man, especially nowadays, too. What we see happening in our country, this post-Christian nation we live in, we see all that. Man, even now, more than ever before, we should want to come together together have bible study and worship together and encourage each other Cause man it's tough out there and we need each other much of what it means to be a believer requires us to interact with other believers in each other there's so many do this to one another in, in the bible you know and, and also i when i read that I, I see how christians of different churches we should be working together more we should be supporting each other churches that believe in the essentials You know, we don't have to agree on everything, on style of worship or this and that, but churches that agree on the essential that the authority of God's word, that all of God's word is God's word, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to the Father except through me. I mean, those are the essentials, you know? And so we should be allowed, we should be looking for ways to build bridges and working with other Christians and other churches in our community. If you want to be like Jesus Christ, you've got to learn to love the body of Christ. You call yourself a follower of Christ, and yet you hate his bride. You hate his body. The Bible's called the body of Christ. It's called the bride of Christ. If you want to be like Christ, and to be a Christian means Christ-like, if you want to be like Christ, you've got to learn to love the body. It's a very sad day when there are so many Christians who use the church, but they don't love the church. They only want the church for what they can get out of it. They hope it's all custom designed just for them. They just wanna get, but they don't wanna give back. They don't wanna strengthen, they don't wanna support, they don't wanna show love. Hey, I'd be the first to admit, myself and this church, we have a lot of weaknesses. I do, our church does, you know? Why do you think God brought you here? To help us fix that, to help us strengthen that. You know, it's so easy to look back and criticize certain things that, you know, shouldn't go on or should go on or whatever, you know, and talk about things that are weak, That's exactly right, you know. Help us. Why do you think you're here? Strengthen it, you know. So we are to build up the body. God designed us to be participants, not spectators. We are one body. I mean, we're one body. You cannot stay close to God without involvement in his church. Third main point is this. We have different parts in the body. Verse 4 through 6 talks about that. Different kinds of gifts, same spirit. Different kinds of service, different kind, you know, of working, but the same Lord. And then we saw two different lists. If you, when you go home, you read the whole chapter, there's two different li- lists. Some gifts are similar, there's some difference. And there's other lists throughout the Bible, different gifts. And, and look at verse 14. Now the body is not made up of one part. The body's made up of many. We know that. Look at your own body. And every part is important. Paul, Paul argues that just as the body is made up of, of a variety of different things that do different things, but they all serve a common purpose to keep the body healthy, to keep the body growing. So the body of Christ is made up of individuals with different gifts that contribute to the one body to keep the church healthy, to keep the church growing. God created us with many different roles to play in this family. And some roles are visible, some roles are not. But like all the parts of the body, all of them are important. There's a lot of stuff in here I cannot see. And if it goes bad, it's gonna affect everything. You know what? And so it's just the same thing in the church. Verses 14 through 26, we see two different problems that often happen in the church concerning spiritual gifts. First one is this, some people feel like they, they think too lowly of themselves. They have feelings of inferiority. We see that in verse 14 through 20, where he says in verse 14, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. Just because you say that doesn't mean that you're, a pot, you're not part of the body, you know? Just because you're not a hand, you're a foot. You can't say you're not part of the body. You're part of the body. Many people do that, even in the church. Well, I'm not doing anything because you know what? I, there's always somebody better than me who can do it. Somebody better than me. And, and, and nobody sees me. Nobody sees what I do. Let me tell you something. God does. That's all that matters. Nobody, nobody, you know, sees me or thinks of me. So it doesn't really matter if I do my job. I just want to tell you, that's so wrong. That's so wrong. It is only as these parts work together that a body lives. You are a place where you are by God because he knows what is needed. God has placed, if you're a member of this church, God has placed you in this congregation for a reason. Man, you got a hold to fill. You got a part to play. That's why you're here. You, You are meant to play a significant role in the work of his kingdom, whether you realize it or not. Everybody matters. Everybody's got a part to play. Don't think too lowly of yourself. Then the flip side of that too, we see in verse 21, the feelings of superiority. Don't, don't think too highly of yourself either. The I can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Verse 21. There's a tendency for those of us in positions that are visible to feel like we're more spiritual than others. That is so wrong. That is so not Bible. That's so ungodly. Don't think too highly of yourself. Who's the ones that God lifts up? The ones that humble themselves, you know? God actually fights. The Bible says God comes against those who are prideful and think too highly of themselves. There should be no service that is beneath us. We serve at the pleasure of the King of kings and Lord of lords. What's the implication here? Here's the implication. Find your part and play your part. Find and play your part. That's what I pray you hear today. And I, I pray you hear this, everybody's matters, everybody's important, everybody's got a job to do. And here's my prayer that what you do, that, that's what I pray you conv- that you get convicted about. What I pray that you have courage to do is find and play your part. You know, we can be convicted and not do anything about it. I want you to be convicted and then have courage to find and play your part. You say, how do you do that? How do you find out what God has called you to do? I'm I'm going to give you some suggestions, some steps. Uh, If you go to our website, fbc.com website, and you hit the tab that says serve, you're going to see a bunch of stuff, but you're going to see when it hits serve, you're going to see spiritual gift inventory. There's an inventory. There's like a little test you can take. And and that's helpful. I, I wouldn't put too much into those things. I've taken a couple and they give me different gifts. You know, but they do kind of help you narrow it in to kind of how you're designed and how you're made. That's that's how you, I don't want you to get caught up in the label. Here's something too. I don't want you to get caught up in the label of your gift. You know, just find and play your part. Here's some suggestions. First, search the scriptures. If you want to know what God wants you to do, you got to know God. You got to know his heart. You got to know what he's up to. You got to know how he works. You want to know God, you got to read the Bible, his word. So I want you to read the word of God, find out what God is up to, what he wants his people to do, how he wants us to live, how he wants us to obey, be acquainted with God's heart and mind. That's the first thing. Second thing, ask God to show you. Just ask him, you know, God, where do you want me to serve? And when you pray, here's a key, pray with a heart that's willing to do whatever he has you to do. If you do this number, which I've done this too, I'm not going to do it, God, but God, what do you want me to do? That's what we do. We're not going to do it if it's something we don't want to do. But we say, God, what do you want me to do? If you have that attitude, he ain't going to tell you. He's not going to tell you. If he knows you have an unwilling heart to do whatever it is, he's not going to tell you. So it's just weird. We're so weird. You know, that's why we're we're sinners. We're just weird, you know. We, We don't want to do certain things, but we want to know what God wants us to do. But we've already decided if he asks us to do this, we ain't doing it. So then we pray to God to ask him to help us. And when he tells us, we get mad at him. You know, we ain't doing it. And since we're not doing it, we lost our joy. We lost our passion. Now we're mad at God, you know? And it's all because we didn't have the right heart to start with. Ask God to show you. And then look for your, pa- look at your passions. That's another thing to do. Look at your passions. What, what matters most to you in the work of God's kingdom? You know, God gives you the desire of your heart. He does that. When you, un- when you have a surrendered heart, willing to do whatever. Man, her give you the desires of your heart. Do you have a heart for preschoolers, for t- elementary age kids, for teenagers, for senior adults, for adults? Do you have a you have a heart for hurting, for those who are lost? Maybe God's giving you an evangelistic heart. Do you have a heart for for the homeless, for unwed moms, for moms in unplanned pregnancies. Do you have a certain heart for certain ministries in the church, for certain people groups? Do you have a heart for a certain country. I mean. These are things that you have a passion for and, and, and it's probably a great place that God wants you to start serving where he's giving you a passion. But then also look, look at your opportunities. You've been praying for God to show you something and he's opening up doors and you're not even looking. Look for the opportunities that God is giving you. Now, here's something too, when you're looking for open doors, and I've learned this, I'm still trying to learn this. You don't have to say yes to every open door. Just because an open door opens, don't mean you got to go through and it's for you. Cause Satan loves, he loves to get you and I busy. He loves to get me b- very busy. You know, he loves to overload me. Cause I'll say yes to almost anything. You know, if it's, if it's going to help somebody, whatever. And Satan would love to get me overloaded and get me distracted. So now I can't concentrate on the best thing that he has for me to do, you know? So, so be careful about that. Just cause there's people asking you to do something don't mean you got to do everything. However. God's word does tell us that God does open doors to show us where He wants us to serve. Just keep your eyes open and watch for opportunities. In fact, you know, we got vacation Bible school starting in a couple weeks. You know, it's going to be a very exciting time. And we love kids and we want to reach kids and we're doing everything we can to reach them. It's tough. It's tough to do ministry today. You know, and and we knew some kids couldn't come because parents couldn't bring their kids and just drop them off half a day and pick them up. They work, their kids are in day camp. So we decided to do something different this year. We're having day camp all day. I mean, we're having VBS half a day and then day camp. we have a sports camp and a music and arts camp afterwards. So kids can come from 8.30 to 5, 5.30 every day. To take away that, you know, excuse from parents that can't bring half a day. We're also working with the school board here in Oslo County, and they're going to be feeding free lunch during, during the month of June here, three weeks of June at our church here at our cafeteria, here in our fellowship hall for breakfast and for lunch. So these kids will be getting, any, any kid that lives in Hustle County under the age of 18 can come for free breakfast, free lunch here at our church, you know. And, and we're hoping here again, we're wanting to get them on our property, you know. And we want to help th- these families that are struggling and hurting. Man, come here and eat breakfast. Let your kids stay for vacation Bible school. They can stay all day long, you know. They don't ha- you don't have to worry about trying to get them at noontime or 1 o'clock. And so and I'm very thankful it takes hundreds of our people volunteering during that week. And many of them give up vacation time to do it. And we still got a couple openings. We need preschool workers in vacation Bible school. Uh, Sunday school going on right now. That's where our teenagers, I mean, our teenagers, our children are having Sunday school during this hour while we're in here in worship. And we, we have a need for first grade Sunday school teacher coming up. Some pre, we always have a need for preschool workers. So I'm just telling you, there's some immediate needs for our church right now It's preschool workers birth through five-year-olds. I mean, birth through, yeah, five-year-olds. We always need help with that. Uh, first grade. So it's just, if we don't teach our kids to love Jesus and follow Jesus, the world's gonna teach them not to. I'm telling you, you gotta reach them when they're young. So look for, open op- look for opportunities. If you're interested in those things, take a connect card, see that connect card? Say, I'm interested in preschool. I'm interested in elementary, you know, teaching maybe Sunday school, helping out, vacation Bible school. Give that card to me after church, all right? And then step out in faith. Step out in faith, experiment. You can't know what it is that God's called you to do unless you take a step out of your comfort zone and try something new. Volunteer, give it a try. You don't know what to do, experiment, step out in faith and then get feedback. Sometimes other people can see what God's called you to do better than you can see yourself. People used to tell me as a teenager, hey, I see this in you, I think God's going to use you. And I go, ah, I just brush them off, go home and think about that at night. Is there something God's doing in my life? Ask friends, ask families for feedback, uh, you know, and listen to what they have to say. Ask your friends and families, hey, you know me, you know my heart, you know, what do you think I would be good at, you know? Sometimes things that we think aren't a big deal are a big deal. I mean, and you think it's not a big deal that you have this kind of heart or passion or you have this experience, man, other people realize that's a very significant thing. And here again, it's not important that you have some kind of label, that you label your spiritual gifts. I think we get caught up in that. If I don't have this label, I don't know what it is. What's important is that you be active in the body of Christ. Find your part. Play your part. If you don't know know exactly where God wants you to serve, work hard at being faithful in the everyday things of life. Treat others with kindness. Be Christ-like. Look for ways to encourage people around you. Tell people about your faith. Tell people about Jesus Christ. Pray for those who are in need. Thank somebody for their service. We need to be very grateful, thankful people. So many volunteers make what happens here happens. You you know what? Just be thankful and grateful to people. You have no idea the difference you can be making. In fact, Jesus says those who are faithful in what? The little things are gonna have opportunities to be faithful in bigger things. We're not given, hear this, we're not given spiritual gifts because so God needs help and he's got a to-do list and so he needs our help. God can do whatever he wants to do without our help. God gives us responsibility because he knows that's how we grow. He knows that we grow stronger spiritually. We grow closer to him by serving him and serving others. And when you do that, you discover the satisfaction and joy of, of living that comes only when you get your eyes off yourself and you begin to look to him. If we do what he's given us to do, you know what's gonna happen? Our lives will become enriched. I always say this, there's nothing like doing what you were made to do. That's true. And when we do this, his people, the church will be healthier and we'll make a a, a powerful impact in our community and in our our lost world. But there's also a flip side to this. This is a danger in this. If you don't use your gifts, your spiritual strength is gonna diminish. It's just like any type of exercise, if you don't exercise your muscle, man, you get weaker. If you don't exercise your gift and your faith and trust and step out and do things that maybe you're not comfortable with, you're not gonna grow spiritually. I mean, you're gonna grow spiritually, but you're gonna grow spiritually weak from a lack of exercise. In order for our faith to remain strong, it must be exercised. it must be put into practice. Here's my summary. When you boil it all down, I'm a bottom line kind of guy anyway. That's how I am. You can do two things with your life. You can waste it or you can invest it. And it breaks my heart to see people in church who should know better wasting their life. See, the best use of your life is to invest it in that which is going to outlast you even once you're gone. See, one day the Bible tells us, you and I, we're gonna stand before God. Even as believers, we're gonna stand before God. And he's gonna ask you, what did you do with the gifts that I've given you? what did you do with those talents, those abilities, that heart, that passion, those experiences that you went through? What did you do with what I gave you? And so many of you, some of you are gonna say, well, God, I was kind of busy. I ran this company, I had these kids to raise, I had, you know, all this kind of stuff going on. Wrong answer. God's gonna tell you Do you think that I put you on earth just to live for yourself? Do you think I gave you those gifts just to use for yourselves? Man, I I gave those to you so that you could serve me by serving others. See, I wanna stand before God and hear him say to me one day, man, good job. You did what you were made to do, well done. You did what I put you on earth to do. I wanna hear that one day. And as your pastor, I want you to hear that one day. Good job. Man, you were faithful in what God's called you to do. Come share now in your master's inheritance and what an inheritance that's gonna be. And so because of that, I make no apology in saying after you become a believer in Jesus Christ, the most important thing you'll ever do with your life is using your gifts that God's blessed you with by serving him and serving others in ministry and in the church. I believe that. There's nothing more important. Tell Tell me, the other things you do, I know they're good things, but they won't last. When you invest in people's lives, with the gospel and you minister to people and you're kind to people. and Man, you're making a difference in people's lives for eternity. It's going far outlast you. So again, I know I don't know what you've been through, but God does. But please don't put a disturbed sign over your heart. Everybody matters. Everybody's got a part to play. What part are you? We need you to do your part. You need to do your part. Man, we need you. You pray with me. Father, again, we just thank you for your word and help us not to be just hearers of it. Father, give us courage to be doers of it. And Father, I I pray for some here this morning. Uh, Father, your word tells us before we can play our part in the body, we gotta become a part of the body. We need to be spiritually born again. We need to get saved because we're lost spiritually. And your word tells us that we got to admit that we're sinners, ask for forgiveness and to believe and trust in Jesus Christ, that he is who he said he is, the savior of the world, that he shed his blood on the cross, that he died for me, that he rose from the dead. And father would have put our faith and trust in him and as our Lord and savior and follow him the rest of our life. And so father, I pray for those who are lost here this morning, who don't have a peace knowing they're forgiven that they're part of your body, that they're part of your family, that heaven's their home, that even now, between you and them, they ask for forgiveness and they commit their life to Christ as their Lord and Savior. And Father, I pray for some of your children here today been hurt, wounded, struggling. Satan loves for us to be distracted by all that. Father, help us to find our part and play our part Knowing that you're going to give us the strength, the wisdom to do, the love, the compassion. You're going to give us what we need to do, what you're calling us to do. We just need to do it. We just need to follow. And so, Father, I thank you again for those who are following, who are stepping up, who are playing their part. Father, we need more. And so, Father, I pray today. I want to thank you today for many more who are going to step up and step out and do their part. And what an honor it is to serve you. And be a part of your body it's in Jesus name I pray amen